0: Hi all. welcome to Anime Echoes. We'll be going through an analysis of Claire Stanfield, also known as the Rail Tracer. He thinks the world revolves around him, he asks people to marry him out of nowhere, and he's incredibly skilled, so let's begin. Let's go into a couple of facts about the guy. He dislikes his name. Why does he dislike the name Claire? Historically it was used for both males and females, but after a certain point, it began to only be used for females. I think Claire doesn't like that it's a girl's name, basically. We don't know who gave him this name, but what we do know is that Claire was raised by the Gandol family. This family had a head honcho back in the day. When he was about to croak, breathe his last breath, Claire was performing great acrobatics in the circus. He was captivating his audience with skills many could only dream of having. The crowds would be awestruck and the cheers would roar, but there was some frustration within Claire. He was frustrated by those very cheers. Normally one would love them, but what ticked him off the most was despite how much effort he put in, how much he trained, how much blood, sweat and tears were used, those that came to see him only saw it as shining talent, a talent that was given to him straight from God, something he was just born with. The effort, the sweat and the tears, none of it was acknowledged. It frustrated him because there were skills that he had honed deliberately. His time at the circus didn't last forever. At a certain point, the circus disbands and then he's forced to fend for himself, and he becomes a hitman, a far cry from his job at the circus. Though his job being a hitman was an important one, and he made sure to take it very seriously. He even makes rules for himself. The rule he makes is that he ensures his target is dead and will not come back to life. His rule is that if he's going to kill someone, they better become dead. What's the easiest way to do this? Well, it's also really messy. He kills them mercilessly, blood, guts everywhere and so every murder from Claire is overkill to make sure that they're dead. He becomes infamous for his messy kills and ends up making a name for himself. He goes by Vino and that name spreads throughout the underworld. Now I've depicted someone who is talented with murder but there's more to Claire's character. His goal in life isn't just to survive and to kill those on his target list. In this novel, Claire's goal is one based on loyalty. He's made a promise to the Gandalf family, the people who raised him, He's helping them out with the Runarada family conflict, and in order to help them, he needs to make sure that he meets them. That's why he's on the train. He's trying to meet the Gandor family. So to be more specific about what Claire's goal is, he has to make sure that the train keeps going, that it doesn't stop, and that it reaches its destination. Otherwise, he can't meet the Gandors. Since that's his goal, anyone who tries to stop the train is an enemy to the cause. When we think about those who could halt the train's movements, the black suits and the white suits would come to mind. That's why they're his targets. Their goals clash with his, their actions cause too much ruckus that could eventually stop the train. Interestingly enough, Claire is the conductor of this train. He has literally taken on the role of being the person that ensures the train goes where it needs to go. Now we might have thought that being a conductor is just a role he plays for his end goal of meeting the Gandors, but this isn't the case. Claire takes his role as a conductor very seriously. He sees that his duty is to ensure that the passengers on the train don't and aren't able to be used as hostages, that no harm is done to those that are riding on said train. Despite being a hitman, he seems to have more of a heart than we initially think. It's quite contrary to what we might have thought reading the previous novel. Before he was depicted as a senseless killing monster that swoops in and out, leaving a wake of bodies, but in this novel, we see that's not the case. There's a method to the madness and violence. We'll see that he's not just a monster that kills everything from the back of the train moving up to the front. Instead, he's a bit more noble despite his violent tendencies. He protects using violence. He's the vicious guardian of the train. The Murderous Protector has many moments where he showcases how he cares about his role of being a conductor. One such example is his first interaction with Rachel. He notices her hiding and he comes to find out that she's just a freebie, not paying for a ticket. As a conductor, Claire couldn't possibly let that slide, right? He thinks to himself, should I make her hold a sign saying she steals rides? So we can see pretty clearly that Claire thinks just like a conductor should. He understands that free rides are a no-no and that she clearly was breaking the rules. But his thoughts aren't just pure and conductor-esque. He considers something more violent too. He considers throwing her off the train at a certain point as well. So that unnecessarily violent side of him still exists within him. It isn't tempered completely. This untempered ferocity is fortunately more directed towards those that deserve it. His main antagonists, the black suits and the white suits, many of them get brutally massacred for the sake of ensuring the peace on the train. He's very forthcoming about removing those who go against his goal, and go against his role of being the conductor. Now, we've been seeing two sides of Claire. His conductor side, which is rule-abiding, protecting of others and of the train, and his more violent side, being a hitman and messy murdering. Now while I believe these sides of Claire can cause tension for him, I think there is a third role he takes on that represents the unison of these two sides of him, a reconciling force of the opposites. That third role is the identity of the Rail Tracer, the legend of a monster that kills on the train It allows Claire to take on traits from both sides and create a legend around it. It allows him to be both the conductor, who ensures the train arrives safely, and the violent hitman, who takes out targets who sully the train in any way. It's the perfect legend for a man such as himself. The legend, however, is not always a 50-50 split of the two sides. One side may overpower the other. Claire can tilt a bit too far to one side. For example, there's a scene where Claire is inflicting brutal violence onto shares by plunging his body onto the tracks of a moving train. During this scene, He's thinking about all the other types of torture methods that he could use. He gets lost in that thought, pontificating the multitude of agony he could cause. His murderous side gets the better of him. But upon seeing Rachel in that moment, he snaps back to his initial goal of getting rid of the black suits and the white suits. Seeing Rachel made his conductor side take up more space within his psyche. To even out his one-sidedness. So sometimes, he needs an outside influence to remind him to prioritise better something to ensure he ultimately is focused on what's actually important to him, his end goal, and protecting the passengers. I do want to add, however, that Claire doesn't see his violent thoughts or actions as something he needs to tone down. There's no real moral conundrum here within him. To some extent, I think it's clear from the previous example that a part of him enjoys it. The problem for Claire is that it can distract him from what he actually needs to do, and what he wants to do ultimately. And what he does want to do is protect the passengers. Throughout the novel, we hear from Claire that being a conductor means a lot to him. That he appreciates it a lot, and that he'll miss not being one for a while because he has to assist the Gandalf family. It's a role he loves and cherishes. Though loving a role is not the same as understanding it fundamentally. The absolute weight of what it means to be a conductor and the significance of trains is a bit lost on him. Rachel even calls him out on this, that his gruesome killings while for the sake of maintaining peace sullied the train, ultimately. She doesn't like what she's seeing. The black and white suits defile the train, but so does Claire. From her perspective, it was sullying the pride of the train, the pride of the people who made the train, and the passengers on it as well. While well-intentioned by Claire, he may not have been living up to what it means to be a conductor of the train. Now, I think this pure perspective from Rachel is a bit unfair on Claire, as he only takes out the bad guys. He only takes out those that were bring it and its inhabitants' harm. But in a sense, Rachel is holding on to something more virtuous and higher, the sanctity of the train itself, and the effort put into it. This can be why Claire connects with Rachel in this moment. Rachel values the effort that the people have put in. She's not just thinking about the train's use or its function, that it just goes from A to B. She values everything that came before it. She values everything before it came into existence as well. This idea of valuing the effort put in is something Claire has always yearned for. You remember that Claire has always wanted people to recognise the effort he's put in when he was an acrobat in the circus in his younger days. He's always wanted effort to be recognised whenever it exists. So he understands where Rachel is coming from. He understands that he's sullying the train through his killing. He shows his understanding of this when he makes a fake body for himself and then by shooting the dead body, he states, I'm not selling the train or anything. This is my way of saying goodbye he's taken her perspective on. He knows the damage he's caused and he won't do it any longer. I think we can see from Claire being open to Rachel's perspective that Claire is actually quite receptive to feedback, especially when it comes from women. In fact, he seems to form strong connections with women throughout the novel, one obviously being Rachel, but the other being the mysterious assassin, Chane. Their first interaction is a bit tense, he initially wants to fight her, because he thinks that she might be an enemy associated with the black suits. This all changes when he hears about why she's doing what she's doing, and learns more about who she is and what her struggles are. By being receptive to her circumstances, a great connection begins to blossom. He comes to find out that China's boss and father is actually against taking hostages and taking over the train despite the actions of the black suits. China just going along with it because she has to. She has no other choice. Upon hearing about the virtuous nature of Chane's father and also Chane, they get into an interesting discussion about Chane and trust. Claire notices that Chane only trusts Huey, her father. There's no one else she trusts. Upon understanding this about her and connecting with her, Claire is no longer concerned about her being an enemy. He's now interested in her as a person and wants her to trust him. The connection is blossoming. In order to break through to the core of Chane, Claire asks questions that will take anyone aback. A solution that no one would really think of. He asks, "Will you fight me? Will you marry me or adopt me? One potentially results in a death, but more importantly, the others result in Claire being part of the family, and China only trusts those that are in her family. A perfect solution to have China trust him. It's a very straightforward answer to the trust issues China has. That being said, He's completely serious about this. There's no potential for deception here. He's being 100% honest. He wants a genuine response from China, and lo and behold, he gets it. China responds to this crazy question with probably the answer he wants to hear. She says that she'll meet him in Manhattan, and that she'll be waiting. This entire scene felt kind of strange. It was like a part of Claire's character that came out of nowhere, but I think that was the point. It was supposed to be strange. We later come to find out that this is a habit of Claire's. He likes to ask total strangers to marry him. It's something he does regularly. Now you might be thinking, he's just a sleazy guy who wants to take advantage of Chane. Which is a fair assumption, but it's showcased to be false. If he commits to someone, anyone, then he's committed all the way through. There's no asterisks here, no ifs or buts. As long as the other person is equally committed, then he's with them till the end. Now you have to wonder, where does he get that kind of confidence from? How can he just ask people out over and over again? How can he massacre people but also care about people dearly? Why does he seem so contradictory, like he's putting on different faces all the time? Well, maybe it has something to do with his ability to take on multiple identities, and not just that, to sift through them at will. you recall he has many identities. There's Vino, his underworld alias. The conductor, a role he cherishes. The rail tracer, and Claire Stanfield. Now we know that Claire is quite attached to his roles. He takes them very seriously. As mentioned before, he loves being a conductor, and he says he'll miss not being able to be one in the future. He's saddened by the loss of his roles. Despite that, he constantly jumps between them. He randomly says to Lad that he goes by Vino. He constantly calls himself the Conductor. He calls himself the Rail Tracer, constantly. When he talks about the tale of the Rail Tracer, he says it with gleaming eyes and excitement. And he makes sure to do the legend properly, where the rail tracer is supposed to vanish when the sun comes up, and he does exactly that. He fulfills his roles to the best that he can. Eventually though, he's willing to give up on them at some point. For example, when the sun comes up, the rail tracer is gone. Another example, as you recall, is when he tries to fake his own death. He thinks, Claire Stanford dies today. He regrets this decision slightly because he realises that he can't marry China legally without Claire Stanfield being alive. But that's what bothers him, not the loss of his identity since birth. It is just merely a tool to be used for the sake of marriage. Its existence is for use, it's not valuable in of itself. So I think from this we can see that Claire is willing to give up his identities, but some more than others, but he's definitely willing to give up the one he was born with. So is Claire someone who can change identities and that's all? Or is there more to him? Something that trickles throughout his character? I think this could be it. His ability to sift through multiple identities could stem from the fact that he has a big ego. That he is egocentric. He believes the world to revolve around him. This is the crux of Claire. When a person has such confidence on their own existence, does he even need to hold himself to a fixed identity? why not just change who you are constantly? You are the centre of the world. There's no reason to firmly place yourself within the world. There's no need to find yourself or have yourself. You are the world. Now this perspective, this outlook on life is the crux of the character known as the rail tracer. At the beginning of the novel, the Gandals say that Claire has a big ego. But we don't actually know what they mean by that at the time. But by the end, we end up having a pretty good idea. Things that support this are him saying, of course, the world is mine. We learn more about the specifics of why he believes this. He thinks that he's in a long, long dream, that everything around him is just illusions, mere ornaments or images that exist within his world. How does he come to this? Well, it's because he can't actually prove that the outside world exists. He can't prove that the person before him is real. He can't prove it's not all a dream. So he rejects that the world actually exists entirely. When you reject this, you're pushing away from the world. The more and more you push away, from the birds on the trees, the concrete beneath your feet, the smile on a friend's face. In effect, he's pushing away from anything extroverted from himself, anything outside of himself. So what remains? Well, when you keep pushing away from the outside world, the only thing that's left is you, only the self. And since that's all that remains, then the only thing he can know for sure to exist is him. Because everything outside of him is just a dream. This pushing is not from a place of anxiety. He isn't anxious that things aren't real, but he seems to be mere fact-checking. Just pure assessment of the situation. I can't prove anything outside of me exists, so only I must remain. That's how he assist the situation. Another example I want to touch on is Claire's eyes and the terror that they bring. His eyes bring a feeling of unknown terror, and he gives this feeling to both Chez and Rachel in the novel. It's noticed that his eyes devour everything. When everything is devoured, then all that remains is nothing other than himself. Could his eyes also be reiterating this same perception of how he believes the world to revolve around him, and how the only thing that remains is himself? He even has more evidence for his egocentrism. He thinks that when it's time for him to leave the world, to die, well, that he won't. All that will happen is a new dream will form, and he just won't die. Since he is the centre of the world, fate won't let it happen. He can't fathom his own death. He can't fathom his own death because he literally cannot imagine it to be possible. People say that post-death is just darkness, but Claire understands that when we say darkness, we're picturing a black image. But death is finality, something becoming nothing. And nothing denies that image as well. That image of darkness is just projection. We can't fathom what nothing even looks like. That emptiness is unimaginable. And since it's unimaginable, there's no proof that he will die. There's no evidence that his death would ever occur. It's not within reason, and since he can't imagine it, he decides to push back on death itself. Now after considering Claire's egocentric nature, his belief that everything is a dream, and his pushback on death, you have to wonder... If people he knows dies, does it hurt him? Does he feel anything for them? We know Claire feels frustration, he was frustrated that his hard work wasn't recognised. He feels empathy for Rachel and for Chane. Why does anything matter to him at all? Lad even asks him this question and also asks why he cares. That if there was a bunch of kids or if Chane tried to kill him, would he fight back and kill them, not caring whatsoever? I think the answer to these questions lies in his interpretation of what it means to be the center of the world. Claire believes that when people die, they are disappearing from his world. They are no longer existing around him. And since other people are dying around him and he isn't, this only reinforces his belief that he is the center. And because of that belief, it makes him have complete faith in himself. He believes that he can do anything. And it's this strong confidence he has that allows him to experience empathy and why he does experience loss. Claire states, what's wrong with feeling for a friend or feeling obligated to someone else? See, there's a conductor who taught Claire the ABCs of being a conductor, and Claire feels indebted to him. Claire was raised by the Gandalf family, and now he's riding on the train to go help them. So even if everything isn't real, he still has memories with people. He still has experienced positive emotions with people, and those are things that he cherishes. Even if it's not real, it can still feel real so he values those that make an impact on him. It is his world, after all. And since it is his world, he determines how he will show empathy. And so, to answer Lad's question before, if there was a bunch of kids trying to attack him, would he kill them? Well, Claire states he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. And he says this in a very matter-of-fact way. Those that are powerless don't have the luxury to think about others. They have to make sure that they survive. That they don't just keel over and die. But the powerful, they can do whatever they want. So why murder a bunch of kids? They can't kill me anyway. I'm in a position where I can do whatever I want. I am the center. I am powerful. It's the privilege of those that are strong to be able to care. Now, since he is the one who is deciding everything, he's judge, jury, and executioner. So those he doesn't care for, those who are defacing his world, he'll remove them with extreme prejudice And this is what he's been doing to the black suits and the white suits. They are not allowed to exist. They are wrong. And it's this confidence that allows him to do anything he wants to. It's this confidence that actually makes him receptive to Rachel's pleas of non-violence. I'm powerful enough, so why not listen? I'm powerful enough, so why don't I ask any girl I want to marry me? But Claire does respect Chane. There's something about her that he actually values. He showcases this because his offer for marriage comes from a place of sincerity. China has trust issues, and he wants her to come to a world that she can actually trust. A world with him. Perhaps the reason why China is special to him is because she accidentally nicks his ears. She is the only one to damage him. By making a mark on a person who is the centre of the world, you are in effect making a mark on the world itself. I think this makes the relationship quite special. Now we've been talking about Claire as being incredibly mysterious, egocentric, and confident. But I do think there are some cracks that exist. One such insecurity we talked about before, Claire being mad that people don't recognise his effort and they only fixate on his talent when he was in the circus. I think the reason why it rubs him the wrong way is because Claire already knows he's special. He doesn't need people from the outside to say he's talented. He's the centre of the universe. But it could also be this. If the people aren't paying attention to every little bit of effort he puts in and only looks at the spectacle, maybe that's evidence to him that the world doesn't actually revolve around him. That there might be other things on people's minds. That people have other things to do. It may break the illusion that he is the centre. Another crack could be his decision to constantly ask out women to marry him. Is it because unconsciously if someone decides to dedicate themselves to him fully, then it's proof that he is in fact the centre of the world, or the centre of their world. Maybe in his head, that 100% commitment is de facto proof. These are slight cracks within a quite powerful personality, but ultimately, he is a force to contend with. Now that's all for the analysis of Claire. Look forward to next week where we'll be going through Lad, Lua, Fred and Rachel. Also, make sure to check out uh, the Twitter with the name Anime Echoes, and also the YouTube channel, also named Anime Um And yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks.